How internet star Gabby Hanna will single-handedly revive the scene kid revolution. Five fruits and vegetables that feel like the capitalist agenda. How I never remember how I met someone, but I always remember when they unfollowed me on Instagram. And how poop shaming someone is anti-Semitic. I'm the girl who had the biggest boobs in your sixth grade class. Sarah Rachel Lazarus. You know what's hilarious? I was bullied for having the biggest boobs in my sixth grade class. I was like the weird kid and I just wore a bra too late. Like I should have been wearing a bra, I guess, earlier. And so I was like bullied by one of the girls for not wearing a bra. Clearly I was an 11 year old feminist icon and not just a nerd. So I did the most brave thing a sixth grader can do and that was tell on her to the teacher. However, Miss Girl was not a fan of this move that I made. So Miss Girl Boss Bully decides to tell her friend to tackle me in PE class. What they didn't realize was that Charlotte O'Sara was being taught jujitsu moves by her father at home. Jujitsu is a type of martial art. So when Girl Boss's minion attacked me, I essentially twisted her arm and made her fall to the floor. The moral of this story is, is that we all should teach our kids to know how to beat the shit out of anyone who fucks with them. But also own your body, because chances are the person making fun of it is probably the one who is jealous. Also puberty is so fucking weird. Like <laughs> if you weren't like bizarre looking in some way, then you're just not a human to me. I don't identify you as being a human species. Also, if you didn't have a weird adolescent bang period, then you're probably a Polly Pocket now. Anyways, back to poop shaming being anti-Semitic. Yes, this is quite a bold statement. However, I'm a Jew and we notoriously have very sensitive digestive systems. Also, I live in New York City, so finding a decent public restroom is like getting tickets to fucking Hamilton. I'm erasing myself from the narrative. So one day, after I have lunch with a friend, I'm walking to go get my nails done, which is like a 15 minute walk away, and your girl has got to shit. So I decide, you know, I'll wait till I get to the nail place. I'll also preface this by saying I have a lot of shame about people hearing me in public restrooms anyway, no matter what is coming out of my body. So you know this is an emergency when I have to go to the bathroom in this small nail salon. But I simmered the guilt in my brain by saying, you know what, I'm gonna tip this girl really well. So you know what, it won't even matter. So I do my business, I walk out, I go to sit down and get my nails done. And because of COVID, they clean the bathrooms like immediately. So I obviously see the other worker go into the bathroom to go clean. And she just has very audible reactions to the smell in the bathroom. I hear her say in Spanish, Oh, mi madre. And my body just fills with shame as I hear the very loud sprays of Febreze. Truly, I was just the Jewish IBS version of Circe in Game of Thrones doing the shame walk. You know, when like the nun is like, shame, shame. 
<laughs> That's how I felt in that moment. Also, I don't technically have IBS, but I always get Facebook ads advertising different services related to IBS. Anyways, the moral of this story is respect a Jewish person's digestive system. It's got a mind of its own and unpredictability of attack. But I will apologize to the ladies in the nail salon who had to deal with that. So I'll just say, it wasn't me, it was the iced coffee that I got from the bodega. Anyways, now that I've unveiled to you all a truly personal, grotesque, and gorgeous tale of mine, I'm gonna move on to what I'm sick of this week. And that is cryptocurrency. I just really don't understand what any of it fucking means. Like at this point, can I just exchange my leftover Webkins coins for a Tesla? Honestly, cryptocurrency to me just has the same energy as when you used to give a cheat code for your SIM to get more money. You remember? Mother load. Iconic. That being said, one night I was drunk and invested $100 in Bitcoin stock. And I was like, I'm the fucking wolf of Wall Street. Eat the rich, I'm spitting on their faces. I think I made like $5, so I'm currently in the 1%, obviously. Moving on, here's my fun fact of the day. In honor of my first British guest, here is a fun fact about the UK. In the United Kingdom, children over the age of five can consume alcohol at home and in other private areas. Damn, we're doing something wrong over here across the pond. Imagine being five and saying to your friends, Oh, come over tonight for martinis and Paw Patrol. I'm just very jealous, to be honest. Like, I was 18 years old and got in trouble for drinking in a college dorm. Here are just a few things that you can do at the age of 18 in the United States, but you can't drink. You can vote, get married, have sex with someone 18 or over, drink alcohol outside of the United States, run for state office, enlist in the military, give blood, sue someone, be on a jury, buy stock, buy real estate, adopt a child. The list goes on, but buy a beer or tequila shot? Absolutely not. Die fighting in the military or raising a child? Yes. I'm truly just bitter because the UK and Europe are just better than us. Next up, I'll be discussing a cause that means a lot to me. My cousin was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma this year. She's 19 in her first year of college and was obviously not expecting to be going through chemotherapy. Luckily, she's on the up and up because she's able to have access to incredible care and treatment. That's why this week I chose the Lymphoma Research Foundation to donate to. It's the nation's largest nonprofit organization devoted to improving care through education and support services and improving outcomes through investment in the most promising lymphoma research. You can donate to them at lymphoma.org. Also, I have a special artist shout-out today. If you're looking for your next experimental acoustic-y sound to listen to, look no further. The artist's name is Nara's Room, a.k.a. Nara Avaki. They have a record out called Pigeons, and it's an experimental psychedelic bedroom folk record recorded by them. The album was recorded in Nara's very own living room with a cassette tape recorder and is heavily inspired by the DIY methods and rawness of Daniel Johnston's early music. You can support Nara's Room by checking out their Instagram at Nara's Room 
or their website, naramakesmusic.bandcamp.com. Here is a little excerpt of one of their songs. by an amazing actress and podcaster. She is known for playing Michelle in the incredible UK drama Skins. She's starred in a number of films and television shows, including Dark Beacon, Caught, and Pucked. She has a new podcast out called Are You Michelle from Skins? Please welcome April Pearson. (laughs) No, you're good. That was all... It was all good. Right. Was- Everything was right. <laughs> um, your microphone, is your microphone the same as mine? Uh, May- is it a Yeti? The blue one too. Oh my God. Yeah. We, we, got the, we got the Yetis, the podcast mics. <laughs> yes, we're here for that. Also, I love your background. Tower thank of London. you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Basically, you know, I'm just, you know, a bullshit American. So I was like, how can I relate? to British yeah. culture and it is by Luckily, standing in the we we all live there. We actually live all of us live on that bridge. <laughs> all British that's people good. live in the Tower of Tower Bridge of London. Is that what you that's, is that's the Tower that's the Tower Bridge, yeah. And okay. then the Tower of London is I think I can't I can't work out, work out which side it is. But um yeah we're all currently being beheaded <laughs> and hanging from the bridge. I love it. I'm I'm standing in the river right now. Is really yeah. that's where I'm recording this. Is that that's the Thames, right? That's the that's river. That's the Thames. That's right. Awesome. I've I've done it. <laughs> I've, I'm an Anglophile. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Yes. Yes. Um. So I'm just so stoked to have you here. Like, I feel like everyone. I feel like Skins. It was really a, made a big impact in the U.S. specifically. Like, and I'm glad that Americans got like that flavor of an Amer- of amazing British television. But before we get into that, I want to take this back to the beginning of your life. And I want to know where were you born and what was your childhood like? I was born in a city in the west of England called Bristol. Um, and it's only about maybe two hours from London by train. And it's like a a, a very creative cultural city um and skins is set there and that's how uh i kind of got the the part in skins because i um am from bristol um and my childhood was uh was you know i was a city girl growing up in inner city uh metropolis and um exposed to a lot of things and exposed to a lot of culture both my parents are in the industry um and were in industry um and so we did a lot of theater and um we went to see things and I was exposed to all kinds of after school clubs I did everything I did 
gymnastics and sport and and obviously theatre club and it got to I think when I was about 12 maybe when I was kind of good at all of it but like you know good enough to carry on and try and get better at each thing so I had to decide whether I wanted to do ballet or tap or gymnastics or sport or whatever um because they were all beginning to clash and so um yeah I just I think I honed in on the performance stuff because I had said from a very young age that I wanted to be an actor I don't really know where I got that to be honest um I either wanted to be an actor or a a counsellor for people with facial disfigurement oh wow so the same the same right. thing <laughs> the same uh i don't know where i came up with that either for i honestly was about seven maybe when i said that so who knows um maybe it's another line of work i should look at pursuing but um yeah that was that was kind of childhood i would say in a nutshell that's awesome and so you you booked your first tv gig though was it your you were young right and it was was it your like your father was on the show or it was like um it was a doctor program right yeah yeah it was uh, a saturday night long-running serial drama called casualty and my dad worked on the show for about um behind the scenes not on camera for about 20 something years and uh one of the first jobs i did i was a baby um because they were like we need a baby in the scene and my dad was like I have one um and then again when I was definitely like a toddler um I was used in another episode um and then I did an episode when I was about oh god maybe 10 maybe a bit younger um and I think it was kind of who's got a precocious young child who wants to be on the telly (laughs) um and then I, I think I didn't audition properly as a professional until after Skins. And I did another couple of episodes just as a, you know, as a jobbing actor. But um, yeah, that was, that was fun. I always think about that, like the babies in movies and stuff. I'm like, are they a part of a union? Like, how does that happen? Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've done many movies now with babies and they are, they are, it's true. They're a nightmare. (laughs) They can only work for like 20 minutes at a time. They'll always cry never cry when you want them to so (laughs) chaos i'm like yeah and like i guess that happens to be a special circumstance in which the actor had a child but i like i'm like how did they cast the babies is there like a baby casting network yes you know there really is how can i join (laughs) i Um, want to you need to be a baby I can do it. I'm, you know, I can, I can become a baby. Um, <laughs> so, <She can. laughs> so what was the process of getting cast in skins? Like, I know that at least I've read that somebody, a casting director came to your school, right. And they were looking for actresses in the area. Is that what happened? Yes. Yeah. I think, um, the series that I was in was, um, kind of untested ground. So after, after generation one of skins they opened it up and did kind of open auditions and had thousands of people turn up whereas um it was a bit more selective i guess um in terms of how they were going about casting and um they definitely wanted people from the area they wanted it to feel very kind of authentic to the west country and have the majority of the cast be local to um bristol particularly and the casting director jane ripley 
was looking for girls to play Abigail, who is um, Tony's like love interest, um, extramarital love interest in series one. Uh, and because I went to a private girls school, she was looking for kind of posh girls. Um, and I, I, I can't really remember how she went about kind of auditioning us, I guess. But I do remember that we were in a circle, a kind of like an AA meeting. She put all the girls <laughs> in a circle and we, um, I think maybe we had to say some lines or something. And she just came around and she was like, would you mind coming to a, another audition? And I was like, sure. Yeah, fine. Um, because I think at that point she'd sort of thought maybe, maybe she could work for Michelle. And then, yeah, it was, um, I think it was in a, a small Methodist church hall and I was really early and I went and sat on the step and a guy came and sat with me and he was like, Hey, what are you doing? And I was like, Oh, I'm just auditioning for a TV show. And I think, you know, I was 16 and I was very like outspoken and confident and I just got chatting to him and he turned out to be Adam Smith who directed the second episode of skins so I was just casually talking to the director and I think from there they kind of thought this is the girl we want to play Michelle and I was introduced to Mike Bailey who played Sid uh, and I think the two of us were like because also I think those characters were loosely based on Brian the writer and creator's uh, own children and so I think they kind of wanted them to be the first ones that would sort of set the the group in motion um and they they also knew they wanted a, a known actor to play or as known as possible to to play tony so that there was something for the audience to kind of latch on to and uh it was a long process of auditions with loads of different people lots of different actors different kind of uh different jowls and different cassies and we all moved around and of course there would have been times where they thought well maybe we'll audition a different michelle they stuck with me <laughs> i mean the casting of the show is just brilliant and i think it's what's so great about it is you all just feel so authentic it totally makes sense to me that they went to people in the town that they filmed in and i and also obviously like nicholas holt and you had like an amazing chemistry on the show and a listener question is obviously going to be, was there any off screen, uh, any, any chemistry off the screen or any, any tea to spill about that or nothing? You guys were. I mean, <laughs> Nick, when Nick turned up, he, uh, the first thing I had to do was snog his face off. Like that was right. literally like <laughs> within five minutes of meeting him. And I was so like nervous and embarrassed and awkward and I'm, you know, very un-Michelle about the whole thing. <laughs> and I think I remember saying to him like, do you, so do you have any friends then? Because I was like, well, you're famous. So you can't, you can't possibly have friends. And he was offended and <laughs> basically took, has taken that with him forever and has always talked about it in interviews. But he had a girlfriend, I had a boyfriend and he was very much in love with her. And, uh, was it, was it Jennifer Lawrence at the time? No, was it? no. Okay. <laughs> this was like, this was a, a long time before Jennifer Lawrence turned up. Okay. Um, but, but you know, he, we did have to like the producers sent us out on dates to like to you know to try and cultivate that that chemistry and 
it was never of our own volition, but we certainly did. Like we hung out a lot together. We knew each other really, really well. Um, we got, we needed to get to a place of trust so quickly because the majority of the the interactions that we had with each other were of an intimate nature. So, um, so yeah, it was a very, very quick um, one of the quickest relationships I've ever been in. I guess um, in terms of you know how quickly you get down to the dirty stuff. Um, yes. But unfortunately, no, he he was very, very faithful to his girlfriend. And uh, <laughs> not that I tried that hard because um, I was also, a, <laughs> you know, when you're 17 and you're dating and you're like, this is the love of my life. It isn't. Yeah. Um, he's not with her anymore. Let's put it that way. <laughs> mm, spicy. <laughs> um, so I love Michelle so much because... You're, that character is very much the cool girl, but she's so like, she wears her heart on her sleeve. And you, I actually love the relationship between Michelle and Jal. And I have watched Skins like so many times. There's like different shows. I think I, I binge all the time. There's like three. I would say Curb Your Enthusiasm, Skins, and Gossip Girl is what I binge like on a, a circle, depending on like my depression. If I'm like nice. feeling depressed, I'll watch something that'll make me laugh. So I'll watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. But if I'm not, I'll watch Skins because I need to be brought back down. <laughs> nice. Nice. And by the and time she- you finished watching Skins, you're like, cool, it's time for Curb Your Enthusiasm again. Yeah. <laughs> Great. C- completely the same shows. I've, I've watched Skins so many times. It's just like one of my favorite shows. But like I, I when I binged it before doing this interview again, I just noticed you and Jowl's relationship during the show. I just noticed um, certain moments where there would be like a lot of commotion and fighting between the group. And then the two of your characters would like pair off and like go do something like the Russia episode, for example, which I would love to know about. I love that episode so much because I'm Russian, but also I just, wow. I love the, I love it. It's just campy and funny and just great. So I want to know what that was like filming that. And also what, how did you build the characters relationships with each other besides you and Nicholas Holt? Um, Well, firstly, I just want to pick up on the fact that you like Michelle because that is such a modern day thing. And I'm talking like in the last maybe two years, um, people have finally got her um and I definitely think for sure when this when the show came out like it was you know Michelle's overconfident she's bitchy she's you know there was none of the kind of I guess female empowerment that that there is now and the world has moved on so much that women are so much more accepting of other women and you can see her for what she is which is a very sensitive and very insecure teenager who wants to be loved and liked and has come from a broken home. And none of that kind of, none of that was what was received when the show came out. And as a result, you know, Michelle was easily one of the least favorite characters. And that was, that's been difficult. So it's lovely to hear you talk about her with such fondness because that's what I have for her too. And I feel so (laughs) protective of her and I've never understood why, why she was received so badly for so many years. So that's the first thing. Um, in terms of the relationship between characters, we did spend a lot of time together. You know, we, whether we were at work or not, we were kind of 
um, the, the guys who didn't live in Bristol lived in a hotel whilst they were filming. So we'd hang out there a lot. We would do a lot of um, appearances where we would go out together. And, um, you know, there were definitely um, the kind of usual groups of people that got on better. But um, certainly with the girls, you know, we were in makeup together for hours in the morning and we had a lot of um, the same kind of uh cool times and we'd travel on the in the cars together to set and all kind of lived in a relatively similar area and um larissa and hannah are very special people and very different um but both, both kind of fiercely intelligent and that was something really that i kind of was inspired by and still am to this day um and I think certainly the relationship between um, Jal and Michelle is is something that I think, and I guess kind of is explored in Gossip Girl. Female friendships are so difficult to navigate when you're a teenager and you don't realise how important they are when you're going through a relationship with a girl as a, an, a in a platonic sense. Um, and, and in fact, sometimes in a non-platonic sense, there are so many times where I've been full, fully in love with my girlfriends in real life and not really understood to how to kind of navigate that relationship. And they are still to this day, the most important relationships um, that I have. And I think something that was so beautiful about Michelle and Jal was that there were flaws in their friendship. They weren't the best of friends to each other at various points, certainly more uh, Michelle to Jal, but I think Jell was always a kind of really steadying influence in Michelle's life. And I think that's so relatable for young women to watch. And I hope that it, it helps, um, I guess, women appreciate their female friends because um, as much as it's difficult to navigate their friendship and it's very intense at times, they are um, very important relationships to cultivate. And Russia, was actually Lithuania. Oh, okay. So <laughs> we we didn't shoot in Russia. We shot in Lithuania. Um, and obviously there are quite a few actors in Lithuania who speak Russian and who can be very authentically very Russian. Very similar and culture too. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, we were near enough without being in Russia. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was, you know, it was kind of, for us, it was kind of like a school trip. Although some of the generations after us got to go to like Lanzarote and, you know, beautiful islands. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> we you had like to go little... to Lithuania? <laughs> um, but, be but beautiful as it is, you know, very, very cold, snowing. Um, I There are, you know, the scenes where... Dev had to be hosed down in the freezing cold. I mean, honestly, it was like ice, icicle day. Um, and of course, we were all there watching because it was. Um, he's naked. Yeah, he's like naked so many times throughout the show. I was just like realizing that. I know. I think he's like more naked than any other character in the show, which is just hilarious. Yeah. And I think that was a choice as well. I think it was, you know, as a character, as a Sikh character, I think it's, it was, again, Skin's kind of trying to sort of push the boundaries of what's been seen on, on screen. Um, 
I'm so sorry. He wasn't. He, Devin himself himself is Sikh. The character is Muslim. Right. Um, but you know, again, none, no character who is presenting as Muslim has had ever been seen to be fully naked uh, as me- as much as Anwar, and um, they certainly wanted to kind of play with his his identity and how religion had an impact on his life. And of course, you know, he's smoking and drinking. Um, <laughs> in the show and you know calls himself a bad muslim like you know it was it was definitely a choice um and i've seen dev been being interviewed since and he he says he can't bear to watch it (laughs) (laughs) which is fair enough you know how many of us loved our bodies when we were teenagers I mean, it's it's so funny also to see, like, the exact turn he's, like, made in his career. I mean, he was fully the comedic actor, I feel like, of that show. And now he's, like, he's very serious, uh, which is, it's just so interesting to see how all of these, all the actors from the show have, uh, cha- their careers have blossomed. Like, I saw on Twitter, somebody tweeted, it was, like, a picture of, uh, Dev Patel, Nicholas Holt, and uh, Daniel Kaluuya, like, all together, like, oh, I love these guys in skins. Wonder what happened to them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's because, obviously, Dan won an Oscar. Um, yeah. Or well, the day before. Sorry, I don't want to date your podcast, but he won an, he won an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. He also won a BAFTA. Uh, Dev has obviously been nominated. Nick has been nominated. You know, I think, just to go back to your point about casting, I've seen so many just- articles recently because you know people are saying like that was the greatest casting because of the number of actors that have come out of the sh- of the show and, and across all series all generations who have you know managed to forge and maintain a career in this industry and be you know most win the highest accolades you can it's just amazing the casting so i want to know what was your favorite moment to shoot on the show and I want to know if there were any like important moments that you improvised or that weren't originally written that you added to the show. It's such a good question. Um, so the first one I have been asked a few times and I have a favorite moment because I just remember thinking, well, first of all, it's the scene where Jal speaks at Chris's not funeral funeral. Mm. And, um, spoilers yeah uh, and they, they, it's it's you know it's too too many years they anyone listening should have watched this by now <laughs> i think we're fine um yeah. <laughs> and it was uh it was a really important moment for larissa actually because she had so many so many lines and it was such an important pivotal moment for jal and she was really worried about it and i remember looking across and watching her absolutely nailing it and you know all of us are kind of standing there being emotional about chris's death and then these fireworks go off behind us and i just remember thinking this is something really cool uh that i'm part of here and i remember that moment being quite special in terms of um improvising stuff i would say kind of any party scene that you see is just sort of us like dicking around Mm -hmm. um 
Oh, I read uh, somewhere that you said you would go in hotel rooms and like with the cast and when you guys would have to be on set, like change the, sh- the frames to different like sides of the wall or something. And that was like uh, your form of your wildness as, as the cast. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely weren't as wild as the, as the generations that came after us. That's for sure. They, oh, yeah. they were like the real skins kids. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, that was just in the hotels that we stayed in. I, I mean, you know, there was, there was a lot of, uh, of freedom for us to um, you know make the characters our own but uh, certainly like the scripted dialogue really did stay kind of as it was um, unless there was something that was really kind of weird or stuck out or didn't work on the day um, I remember in series two when Michelle has to go and live with her second stepdad of the of the series there was a scene where i had to like voice control quite a lot of the 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 house it had like music voice control and lights voice and you know lights voice control and blinds and um i remember that needed quite a lot of improv because quite a bit of the tech wasn't working on the day and also i i think i was my my mother in the show is arabella weir who's a very very um, competent comedic actor and um, I I knew that that scene had to be funny and it just wasn't funny I just couldn't make it funny I think it was partly because I was just so worried about being topless again and <laughs> you know I was I just could there's just something that wasn't working and I just had to say to her like how how are you just give me a line reading how would you say this because you know I, I it's not funny and she really helped me and I think that was the most amazing thing about Skins in a way is it, it was literally like acting school for for two years and we had some of them the greatest British talent playing our parents and our teachers and our responsible adults and um you know getting to ask them in a moment where you're like this isn't working was just such a luxury that's awesome it's amazing um and okay, I want to move on from skins, but I just want to know, okay, so another episode I think is just wild and so funny is it's problematic, the Osama 9-11 musical. <laughs> I yeah. think that is honestly so brilliant because you see it in skins, you, you guys put on like this 9-11 musical, which like the creepy like drama teacher wrote himself and he's like trying to understand American culture and it just reminds me so much of like at least in America like high school theater them like trying to do something important like an important show but it's just like problematic and it's just so funny to me and is brilliant I want to know what that was like filming that and like what is do you know what inspired the writing of that musical and the the moment behind all of that i think it's exactly what you just said i think <laughs> yeah. it's you know it would never get made now there's no way right. that, that 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 scene would ever get made now for so many reasons not only the fact that the drama teacher sexually assaults a minor in yeah. the, like in the scene uh and kind of there's nothing really said or done about it um on top of that the theme of it being an Osama musical like there's just no way that that would get greenlit these days for good reason of course but um I think it was Skins and the writers behind Skins wanted to push the boundary with kind of everything and and also there was a kind of a huge onus on the adults in the in the young people's lives being completely incompetent and totally useless and really unhelpful 
and you know i do think for a lot of young people uh that is sadly the case um there is this kind of divide between responsible adults who are telling you what to do and young people who don't want to do what they're being told and there's just a complete like locking of horns and i think that that whole thing was kind of set up to really yeah just demonstrate the incompetence of teaching and um and and also to be funny you know ultimately it was it was designed as a vehicle for humor and that's also of course problematic but i do think you know as an american yourself and of course you know um we can't really speak on behalf of the people that it represents but i think you know certainly at the time it was there was a place for it and it was deemed funny and and i think it kind of worked with the weird off the wall nature of skins don't forget this is a show that that at the end of season one the cast like decided to start singing to the camera as a music video like it was you know they, they were always just trying to find ways of presenting stories that hadn't been seen before i love that finale so much where sid breaks the fourth wall and sings wild world like that is just i it's brilliant it's just so it's so poignant the song was perfect and I, I love skins. I talk about it all the time. I love. I feel like that was the prerequisite for a lot of television now, um, like Euphoria. And there's a new show on HBO called Generation. I feel like it's kind of like that too. I think the closest though American TV has ever come to Skins UK is maybe like Shameless. The US version of Shameless is maybe the closest in terms of like groundbreaking television and comedy that's like not afraid to you know go go there and break bounds so because I, the the skins the u.s version of skins didn't work out really oh, right i didn't even watch that i like no, i haven't <laughs> seen it either i can't say but i i have a lot of american friends who assure me that it didn't go that well so. i we don't know her i don't <laughs> I don't know who she is, but okay. we haven't watched her. <laughs> We're not living for her. Okay. <laughs> she doesn't exist in in my in the wishy were weird universe. Um, okay. But, um, okay. So your post skins life, you have done like a number of indie films and horror films. I want to know what was that transition like to do that? I mean, especially horror. That is like completely a different direction from skins as well. Um. So I think I think my first job after Skins was a horror film called Tormented, which was a kind of slasher teen horror. Um, and I think that kind of set me off on the, maybe on the horror pathway. But I would say um, in terms of the transition, I, I learned so much on Skins about stagecraft and... Um, you know the the craft of acting on screen and um and just like you know the the general day-to-day -day of how to be on a set um and so i think no matter what the genre that set me up as the as you know as a competent and confident screen actor um i would say the horror thing seemed to sort of happen relatively organically because I didn't really get cast or seen for kind of 
anything really and um horror is a genre that is extremely monetizable if that's a word um you know there's always an audience for horror and certainly an indie film if you're trying to make a name for yourself in the the film market and the business of uh, the film industry um certainly in the uk it's an easier option to get something financed is if it's a horror film um and you know you do a lot of like who can we get into this low budget movie but who has a vague name for themselves and i think my name came up quite a few times and then when i got into producing i realized why i was kind of being seen for these types of roles and um it is it's an easy genre to get funded and certainly female-led horror is a huge market and um it's definitely something that i am looking to kind of move away from now just because i feel like i've done maybe six or seven like low budget horrors so i feel like i've just kind of i've 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 done that now mm-hmm. um put me in a petticoat and i will do <laughs> bridgerton bridgerton right. you what? should be in bridgerton See, i should i've been <laughs> saying this to my agent i don't know how like i don't know how to get back into you know mainstream tv like that but anyway hopefully someone one day will be like that girl would look good in a bonnet <laughs> <laughs> God, you're saying, like, you haven't been seen for stuff? I'm like, I'm fucked. That, like, Michelle from Skins is not being seen for stuff? I just, I can't. You're, I mean, you're such, like, an amazing actress, and you have such, like, an incredible look, too. I feel like you're very different looking, like, and you can be the leading lady, but you're, like, not basic, too. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. That's good. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Like, it's shit. It's, you know, and for a casting bracket that is a you know relatively middle class white woman quite rightly right now (laughs) there's not so much space for that (laughs) yeah bridgerton i'm sure the bridgerton executive producer will be listening to this obviously i'm sure you never know you (laughs) You never never know um (laughs) so i actually watched your movie tucked because i was looking through your imdb like films and it just sounded completely up my alley i loved it and i thought it was really really interesting it's about like an older drag queen who gets diagnosed with cancer and only has like a few weeks to live and you play his daughter and i i love that film um how did that film come about i think it's like just so poignant it kind of reminds me of the movie beginners a little bit Oh, I haven't heard of Beginners, but I will ask my husband who directed and wrote it. Oh, um, well, I'm a fan. <laughs> Tell him I'm a fan. <laughs> hey, hey, honey. Um, <laughs> so that answers your question about how it came about. My um, my husband, Jamie, and my producing partner uh, wrote um, Tucked, God, long before he met me. Um, but he grew up in Brighton, which is the kind of UK drag central it's the it's the lgbtqia plus capital of the uk and he has been exposed to and surrounded by amazing stories and um one night just went to a drag club and a a queen was up singing i dreamed a dream from les miserables and then just snatched the weave right off Mm. and jamie was sitting there thinking where do you go now like you've got a full face of makeup a wig cap and you, you're in full drag what happens to you now and um as a kind of 
you know a relatively competent writer at the time and a, and a director of a few kind of low budget movies he went off and wrote that and then we met on a film called home for christmas which is the least christmasy christmas film you could ever watch um and that was a really kind of formative time for me because i met him and i saw that you could do things another way you didn't have to just wait for the phone to ring you didn't have to just wait for these casting directors to notice you and he kind of showed me that being creative and making work for myself is actually just as rewarding and so we started to like set about um making these low budget films and we made um a film called fractured and then a film called court both kind of low budget indie horrors um and then I introduced him to a producer that I'd worked with on another horror called Tank 432. And I just thought that they would really get on. I just thought that they would be a really good producing partnership. Um, and they managed to raise the funds for two films back to back because at the time, if you can believe it, Tucked wasn't, wasn't a commercial project. Um, there was sort of no interest in in a story like that it was very difficult to get that financed of course now the conversation has changed completely and if someone was going into a pitch room with tucked as a script there's no way that people wouldn't be seen uh to kind of yeah to, to at least look at developing it um but back then it was it was much more difficult and so um jamie and finn the producer uh needed to create these two movies back to back so we made tucked followed by tracks which uh, is a is it a kind of interrailing rom-com love story and much more on paper much more commercial um and then we managed to get investment for the for the two together um and it turns out that it was just one of those really good timing things where tucked came out at a time where people were open to stories like that stories from the lgbtq community and, um, you know, I think Tucked premiered at a, uh, at, I think it was a, I think it premiered in LA at Outfest, in fact, mm -hmm. um, and, and was a kind of really surprise winner at Outfest. And that really kind of set it on its path of ending up where it is now on Netflix and, um, you know, being seen by people like you across the pond, which is mad. It's like, it, you know, it was a tiny, tiny movie and um, with no kind of, you know, named actors necessarily. The, the lead actor is incredible, I thought. And I thought your role was so different than like, I mean, Michelle, because she was this character, I mean, had a little more attention with uh, mm -hmm. her father, obviously, but she was a bit more of like a closed off person as opposed to Michelle, who's like very open emotionally. So that I, I thought that was an interesting contrast to see you play like a different kind of role. I mean, the crazy thing about the one scene that I have in Tucked is that we had about 40 minutes to shoot it because I also did the makeup on that movie. Oh and my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So you are I was a creator, girl boss. I love it. <laughs> So I, uh, yeah, I, I had a two man team. It was me and another amazing makeup artist. I'm not that I'm an amazing makeup artist, but, um, my friend, Melissa Sweeting, who, uh, did all of the makeup on that, on that shoot. And, and I'm not sure if you've done drag makeup before, but you know, we're talking I've, like, I've tried. It's okay. very hard. 
we're talking like full eyebrows and full, oh you know, a full face. And of course, you know, um, Darren, who played Jackie, is an older older man. He's eighty, I think he's eighty three, um, and he was playing a seventy something year old. So his skin's quite tricky to work with, and we were doing multiple looks every day. Um, we didn't shoot in order, so we were having to like really maintain our continuity and uh, you, you know uh, the the looks that we created for Faith as well. Being a, a non-binary person, they have makeup looks during the day, makeup looks in drag, in their own you know their own self-expression. So we were doing so much makeup, and um, we only had that drag club for. I think it was two half days and the scene that I am in is in the kind of dressing room of the drag club. And, um, you know, it was a case of like, we need to get these actors into the right makeup and then you need to shoot your, your scene. And, you know, and I would say maybe, maybe, maybe half of what we shot is actually in the movie. Like the scene was long. It was like 12 pages long. So I was learning you know, I had a lot of lines to do and I, in my head I was like, is he in the right makeup? <laughs> Whilst I was trying to do the scene. So I'm glad you liked it because it was, it, I look at that and I'm thinking, God, there's so many things I do differently. But I just didn't wow. have the time. That's incredible that you did that. Like, that is amazing. That's such a hard job. Like you were saying, like consistency from scene to scene. And yeah, just such a beautiful film. Like I recommend any of my listeners to watch it. I feel like it's very much uh anyone listening to this would like that that movie it's on i think um at least here i saw it on showtime and maybe like another there was like another app that you can watch it on i'm not sure you could look it up on on your devices um okay so before we move on i want to talk about your podcast um you have a new podcast called are you michelle from skins so how did this come about and what happens on your podcast so are you Michelle from Skins? For a very, very long time, was a phrase that used to send shivers down my spine. I used to be like, "Oh my God, how do I get away from this? How can I stop people asking me what do I like? I need to just hide. I straightened my hair for years. I thought that would help, but but it doesn't. I still look <laughs> like me. And uh, and it. It was actually Jamie, my husband, who came up with the idea of Are You Michelle from Skins? Um, it wasn't called that then, but it was It was just like, it was me talking about my experience. And for so long, I put it off, didn't want to do it, didn't want to talk publicly, publicly about what it's like being known as that person from whatever. And then the lockdown happened and I was like, cool well I'm not going to be acting for a little while um <laughs> what else shall I do and I think if the lockdown hadn't have happened are you Michelle from skins wouldn't have happened because I was probably I think I I needed that like industry leveler of well no one else is working so you know there's just that thing of like in in the in this industry if you don't do it someone else will do it and they'll do it for free you know there's always someone behind you who's going to take your job and um or get or ahead of you 10 people ahead of you that will get the job and i think just the like the industry shutdown made me it gave me the confidence to put myself out there and start 
an Instagram series and I had never really interacted with my following on Instagram. I brought in a PR team about mm, 10 months before I started doing the, the series and they were just the most amazing people. I waited for about a year for them to rep me and um, it, it's just been the most cohesive relationship that I've had um, so far in my career. They really, really get my ethics and what I want to do and how I want to present on social media. And that has been amazing. And they've been fully behind the project from day dot. And they are now producing um, the podcast um, for me, which is incredible. Um, but I think if, yeah, if the lockdown hadn't happened and there hadn't been that sort of leveler between people I just wouldn't have wanted to put myself out there in that way and I think doing the Instagram show was was amazing because it was live and um you know I was talking to guests I was talking to people from skins who I hadn't spoken to in years I'd been addressing stuff for myself and very slowly but surely I turned are you Michelle from skins from something that made me want to cry to something where I'm like yes I am <laughs> you should I mean you were so incredible I can't believe you were saying how you like people didn't like that character to me she's like she's like you were saying like she's the main girl but she's not like bitchy at all to me she was very like personable and was like the probably had her most the the character with their shit together the most honestly <laughs> out of all of the characters was probably michelle too um i i think that's interesting too i've heard like tim curry talk about like not wanting to be associated with like with rocky horror he's like regrets that role i'm just like wow like to me like i don't know how is that how do, do you now you embrace being like known for that role a lot but it didn't start off that way is what you're saying yeah, definitely. I can see, yeah. I mean, that cannot be true. Surely he cannot regret that. <laughs> I heard that him part. say that before and I was like, oh that my God. That is wild. <laughs> How? I mean, I mean, I can relate, but I, I would hope that, you know, the journey that I've been on um, in terms of like, uh, just, just, um, I mean, this is what I talk about in the podcast. I talk to all kinds of people, actors and creatives about what it's like being known as that character. And it's so interesting to hear how different people deal with it. And, um, you know, it does, it kind of depends on the experience that you've had and the associations that you make with, right. with that time in your life. It's not, you know, we don't know. Tim Curry may have been having a really terrible time at that when he was, shooting Rocky Horror and that's why the association with that part and the time in his life is is so negative to him um I think he like embraces the show I think he's just upset that like it like clouded over his other roles that he's played I think is yeah. like was his well, he that's relatable He'd probably be a great guest on your show. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, imagine that would be a dream. <laughs> um but yeah, I think you know I'm not saying that I regret Michelle because I fully don't and I wouldn't be where I am right now without her and without that show and um but I would say there it takes work to get to a place of acceptance where you know I'm not winning Oscars I'm not one of the people who is technically a success story that has come from that series and 
I have to work to find my reasons for being successful and I mean, you're like a full creator. I love hearing that you were doing the makeup and putting all these films together. I mean, that's inspirational for me because I'm, I'm myself and like going through being a female creator as well. And I think that's really inspiring. I really, I think you are a success story. I mean, that doing the creator aspect of this industry is something that I don't think gets appreciated by the general public. I think people in the industry understand that, but I, I think that's incredible. I love hearing that you were in the makeup department and also producing and also acting and like, that's amazing. So yeah, I mean, I've cooked the dinners, like, you know, (laughs) I've done catering, you know, you've got, you have to just like, I guess, suck it up in a way. And, and um, it's definitely different in the UK. Like there is no industry here. There's no funding. There's no nothing. Like, you know, you do have to kind of go at it on your own and there's a lot there is a lot more available to you in the states and the next thing will be to make a movie out there yes please Um, (laughs) but but certainly you know having that I guess kind of tenacity and like belief that ultimately you know someone will see it um is kind of what drives me to hang in there I guess and I would say you're right there's no props for or not enough I would say props for people who are just grafting and working hard and you know managing to scrape a living doing this stuff um because the the percentage of people who are up there you know in the a-list is so small compared to how many of us are are creatives in this industry so yeah, the gap is, is is massive, but if it's if my story is inspiring, then that's a success for me. So without further ado, I'd love to move on to our game section. Um we're, we're gonna be playing a little game of Mary Fuck Kill, but it's not it's not a Great. traditional Mary Fuck Kill. It's like more abstract. They're they're more of concepts. So just okay. answer how you think. So Mary Fuck Kill. Nicholas Holt in the film Warm Bodies, where he's a zombie, Brexit, but it actually just means leaving a room more fancy and proper. And Primark COVID vaccines. Oh, wow. (laughs) I love this. Okay. 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 We're going to kill Brexit of any kind because (laughs) I love how you've made it fancy, but it's not fancy. It's fucked up. Okay. So we're leaving that one. That one's going to be killed. So what's I honestly Mary... like know almost nothing about Brexit. Like I know. Oh, same, the, <laughs> same. The bare minimum same. of Brexit. But I know I don't want it. I know <laughs> okay. that my parents-in-law live in Europe, and I okay. can't see them. You know, oh it's my God. like it. It's it's yeah. It's the Trump of the UK. Let's just uh, put it out there. Yes. So we're gonna kill. We're gonna kill Brexit. Um, Fuck and marry. Well, I've got to fuck Nicholas Holt because I can't possibly <laughs> fuck the Primark COVID vaccine. Can I kill that one as well? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to kill them both. I can't, I, I can't marry Nicholas Holt in that film because let's face it, we're not doing that. But at least I think, we've... I think he was, honestly, I was attracted to him in that film. I was like, he's a hot zombie. Oh, <laughs> he is a beautiful, beautiful man. He can do no wrong. Um, but I just can't be marrying a zombie, you know? Uh, I could just fuck it once and get it over with. 
Okay. <laughs> but I that that leaves the Primark COVID vaccine, which also needs to be put straight in the bin. So Fast maybe if fashion. I marry it, I could I could kill it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. It's like a murder, marriage, suicide. I love it. That's it. That's it. Um, okay, next one. A spliff soaked in Tide Pod liquid. Tony Stoneham, but he's a Republican. Or Effie Stoneham on Adderall. Oh my god, how are you supposed to do anything other than kill all of these things? Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I'd probably marry the spliff, because at least I'd be having some good times. Um, although, did you say soaked in Tide liquid? Yeah, like the Tide Pod. Like if you squished a Tide Pod and like the liquid was was doused. So is that it. like detergent? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was like, oh, that sounds fun. It's not. That's not going to be fun. Okay. Um. Anyway, that will be okay. Um, we'll marry that. Uh, Effie on Adderall probably probably more chilled. So maybe we'll fuck her and Nicholas Holt. I mean, Tony Stoneham as a Republican has got to be killed. So. I feel like he probably would have ended up being a Republican if, like, the the series continued. No! <laughs> he gives that vibe. Oh, no. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dev Patel beating you in a game of apples to apples for eternity. Getting a colonic in Soviet Russia or being taken into the sunken place with Daniel Kaluuya. That's like a get out when he's, like, yes. sucked into the yes. floor. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to marry Dev Patel playing Apple to Apples. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. Because I could Is that a British that game too? Do they have Apple to Apples? No, I've no idea what that is. Oh my goodness. I can't even believe that's like, I didn't even think about that. It's just like a, uh, I don't know how, I guess you, you put up a picture and you have to like give people the best ideas you think fit the picture. It'll be like captions and they pick like the funniest card. You know what? Stupid American games. <laughs> Sounds like um, Cards Against Humanity. Do you have that? Yes, it's that. It's that. It's like the child version of that. Right, okay. <laughs> right. Less problematic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, I'm marrying that because it sounds fun. Um, Dan Kaluuya in The Sunken Place has got to be killed. That is horrifyingly <laughs> scary. That film was incredible and so horrific in so many ways. So let's kill that. And then what was the last one? Getting a colonic in Soviet Russia. I am all in for a colonic. Let's fuck that <laughs> for sure. I have never it. had one, by the way, but I just feel like that must be the greatest thing ever. That would be a story. That would be a story. Michelle from Skins certainly would get a colonic in Soviet Russia. Sure. Okay, last game. What gives you cheek more? AKA, would you rather? I thought that was very fitting. Um, would you rather be famous for being an iconic reality TV villain or be famous for one iconic role? Oh my God, <laughs> be famous for one iconic role. Okay, yeah. I've like actually, I've talked to a lot on the show, like uh, reality TV stars who've like gotten portrayed poorly and like the reception they've gotten. So I think that's a really. It's interesting to see that versus like a fictional television character, like the response that you've gotten, I guess the negative maybe responses you were talking about. So I feel yeah, like but that at least like, it wasn't me. Yeah, I know. They can, they can that, say a that's lot. The, thing. <laughs> the reality factor is, you know, at least I could be like, it wasn't me. You know, yeah. when you're a reality TV villain, that's you. They've done that to you, the person. All they can that say is, is the editing. That's all they can say. Um, it is. It yeah. is. It always is. 
Okay, the royal family, but none of them are ever allowed to wear hats. Or Shrek, but he has an American accent. I'm going to go with Shrek because um, all of my patrons on my Patreon page are obsessed with Shrek. I'm oh. going to give a shout out to Jack because um, he is Shrek-y. They'll, they'll get that. <laughs> they'll get that. Yes. Okay. And... Okay, would you rather your boyfriend making out with your friend while you're asleep or American versions of British television? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that shouldn't be hard, should it? Um, oh, I think probably American versions of British TV because I'm, rem- I'm reminded of the scene where Maxie goes down on Tony when Michelle's asleep and I just think it's... so savage, just straight savage. Um, I know the goal. <laughs> yeah, the goal. Yeah. So I think American versions of British TV. I kind of would love. I'd love to see Americans try to do something like we have a show called um, Celebrity Juice, which I'm. I'm not sure you would have ever heard of, but it. I. I reckon if you watched that, you'd be like, "What is going on? <laughs> what are these absolute lunatics doing?" Sometimes I just think we're so weird. British people is just so weird. I love British people. You guys are just not afraid to go there. I I love the name Celebrity Juice. That sounds like I just the name got me already. What happens on that show? They just Oh my god. You just <laughs> I mean you'd need to watch some of the old ones, but like it is not okay. <laughs> great that's Check all we out. need to know I'm sure, you, I'm sure you won't be able to find it anywhere but um yeah there are definitely shows where i'm like do we do this like naked attraction have you heard of that no <laughs> oh okay, like naked so, and afraid or i don't no. know what naked attraction is <laughs> so naked attraction is where they put six people naked in six pods and they reveal their body slowly in like parts to someone who's wanting to date them so by the end of the show there's like six people stood there completely naked this person has to choose who they like without speaking to them based on their naked attraction alone and then the end of the show when they've picked two to choose from they have to be naked as well in front of each other we have a we have a really similar show but nobody's naked it's um that's not that similar then sarah is it it's not that similar it's quite different you're like in pods and they have to like form relationships i totally forgot it came out like the beginning of quarantine i totally forgot yes, the name of it we watched it too we had it too <laughs> yeah. oh my god what was it called yes we were obsessed what was it called it was like all those shows one. were coming out at the same time it was like that too hot to handle and the circle oh my and god the and there one. was damien and what was her name da- do you remember damien and oh the, well there's the blonde the, girl with the the wine who was like she was always drunk and like was in love oh, with the other yes. guy <laughs> Yeah, because you need to get one of them on your podcast. That's for sure. Oh my god, that would be that would be crazy. <laughs> I would love that. I, I wonder if any of them are still married. I don't know. I think the ones, the one who were like, there was one. I think they are still married. I like saw them pop up on Instagram or oh, TikTok or something. I don't know. Um, I actually, before we go, I just want to know: was there anything that's crazy that happened? behind the scenes on skins that nobody knows about that you've never talked about before oh my god do you know what's mad it's like oh, i can hardly remember any of it like that's the sad thing it's <laughs> blur yeah either it's like i i guess how many of your nights out do you remember when you were 17 really <laughs> true that is correct um god 
things I really honestly I think you know our characters were definitely much more wild than we were um disappointingly so I think I, I've often been asked that question and, had, and not been able to find something that's like juicy enough to or like anything on set that happened that was just like a funny moment or something oh my god I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to rack my brains I, I really don't know I really should I should think about this because I do get asked it a lot and I just I feel like I need to open the door and dive down the rabbit hole of memories but yes um, oh my god I just don't know that's so boring what a terrible <laughs> it's answer. okay you've spilled a lot of tea we've gotten we've gotten the full Have skins I? <laughs> I don't well, we've got like giving you tea we, well you've given me you know the skins experience and your mm. time on the show which is just it's amazing to hear like really I I love skins so much so it was like so cool to get to talk to you about it and I feel like Aww. I've just yeah, I've watched it literally so many times. Like, I'm not even, like, exaggerating <laughs> at all. Um, I want to know, what was the best and worst thing you did this week? The best thing I did this week was I launched my podcast on Monday. Um, that was a very cool moment. The worst thing I did this week um, was... The worst thing I did this week was I cancelled my volunteering shift for the second time in a row. Oh, because... Yeah. But to be fair, it was it was for a legitimate reason I have to record a podcast um but you know when you're just like I'm so sorry I can't come and you're it's you know it's a really good cause and it's something that I love doing and I just feel like a terrible person even though I'm volunteering in the first place yeah I, I was like, gonna say it's so nice that you're you have a scheduled volunteer like you have a yeah. consistent schedule that's that's so nice of you I mean don't don't feel but bad. I I haven't been for two weeks so okay you know. okay so you're slacking but still the fact, slacking. You, <laughs> the fact that you go I mean that's amazing well the best and worst thing simultaneously that I did this week was I ordered delivery from the Taco Bell that's two blocks away and it was you know the best for me mentally but the the worst for my you know Jewish digestive system so that's oh, no. that's <laughs> That's all I have I to say about that. <laughs> definitely relate to that. I can really relate to that. It's just so good. The the crunch wrap and <laughs> oh my God, I feel like I need to come to the States and have Taco Bell over there because I feel like the Taco Bell we have is just not the same. It, I mean it is the same, but I don't think it's as good. It's it's the same. Yeah. I don't what I was in London like a couple summers ago. I'm trying to think of the food I had. I felt like everywhere is just fish and chips. Like oh. and the and oh. not to, not to stereotype, but I I was in London and so like I wasn't in any other cities of England, but You I, were not going to the right places. There are some <laughs> unbelievable eateries in London, that's for sure. Like it oh. gets a bad rep. The porn star martini was everywhere. Like that was what the bars would like be advertising. Was like, but outside. it's so good. It's delicious. It's like you. They don't have that anywhere here. I've like never seen what? that at a restaurant here. <laughs> and I. So had, if you went into a restaurant in the states and you went, "Can I have a porn star martini?" They're going to be like, "Madam, you need to leave." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I doubt like any of the restaurants here really know that. Maybe Whoa. if you went to like some kind of cool bar or something but I've never seen that on a menu here I've like never even I never knew to ask for it until I went to London <laughs> wow. um, you're welcome <laughs> thank you thank you for that um also <laughs> delicious I had a what did I have it was a like a oh what do you call it? eggs benedict but it had like 
beans on it. It was like the most delicious thing I've ever eaten. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, I, don't know if- I, I feel like the next time you come to London, tell me and I'll send you to some good places. Because oh, it's not uh- all fish and chips and eggs benedict. <laughs> Thank you. I would love that. I'd love a April Pearson guide to London eateries. <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, I want to send you off on a quote and I leave all my guests with a quote and it's not necessarily relevant, but we live for it. So here it is. How are you, Queen Elizabeth? <laughs> That's it. That's the quote. <laughs> Great. Great. Well, we do live for it. yes we live for it thank you so much for coming and joining and you know talking about your incredible career and all your creator amazing stuff that you're doing also where can everyone find your podcast it's uh it's available on all the podcast things i couldn't believe it when i got the analytics through on monday and i was like you're listening to my podcast in romania and china and you know it's wild when you see like people across the world who are, are able to find it but yeah i mean spotify apple um all of the like podcasty places you can find it and yeah we've got one episode so far guys so don't get too excited but you know we're we're working on it the next one's out monday and there's some great guests i i literally am i'm so excited about the two that i interviewed today and it's it's cool because there two there are two of them so that was that was interesting Follow me on Instagram at the Slaz, that is the with two E's, to catch up on all things Wish You Were Weird and even send me questions to ask future guests that I have on the show. You can watch video footage of Wish You Were Weird on my YouTube channel, Sarah R. Lazarus Comedy. That's Sarah with an H and Lazarus like the Bible, except Jewish.